0: to the Musea podcast. This is episode number 35 and I'm the founder and CEO of Musea. For this episode, I had the chance to talk with Brian Johnson from A Brian Photo down in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we had a great chat, uh, but before we get to the podcast, I've got a, a few announcements. Um, this week, uh, yesterday to be specific, uh, the Musea store had launched our favorites system. Yay! So, now, people can go in and mark their favorites, and then the photographers can see uh, what their clients marked as their favorites on um, the admin side of the store. And so, something we're extremely excited about. Um, with the favorite system came a redesign of the client side, uh, which is going to allow us to do some things um, down the road, and it just made everything uh, more clean and simple. Uh, so, um, Really excited about both of those features that were released yesterday. So if you're a Musea Store user, uh, you should be happy and elated. Um, The next thing we're going to be working on actually is going to be called the Musea Archive. And so now that the favorites is done, we're going to be working on the archive system. And what this is going to be is uh, it's going to allow you to... Uh, archive your high res JPEGs uh, with the Musea Store. So just be one upload to the Musea Store and then it will automatically archive uh, those images uh, for basically disaster recovery. So if something happens to your house or whatever, you will have an online backup. Um, and that will be a subscription based uh, service and it will be uh, per. It'll be a certain price that's per gigabytes per month. Uh, We have still not determined what that price is. We're doing some research and things like that. But uh, the archive feature is actually probably about 60 to 70% done, and we hope to wrap that up and get it done and launched hopefully within like two to probably five weeks, uh, kind of in that window. So it should be coming soon, hopefully around Thanksgiving, maybe a little after, Uh, but be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, I'm going to be in New York City November 30th at Spencer Lum's studio talking about Musea, about the future Musea, uh, the photography industry, digital culture, and where everything is headed. Uh, and if you want to know more about what Musea is doing right now and what we're going to do in the future to uh, impact the world and um, impact photography, then uh, come on out. It'll be free. It's at 7.30 p.m., Spencer Lum's studio, November 30th in New York City. Uh, also end of February, New York city is museum gathering. Uh, we saw tickets for sale. Um, in this podcast with Brian Johnson, we actually talked, uh, he talked a lot about John Dolan and Holger thoughts and how they really influenced him a lot in his work. And, uh, John Dolan and Holger thoughts are going to be teaching at the museum gathering, uh, at the end of February in New York city, uh, along with, S- S- uh, Sam Blake and Spencer Lum. And so we have Great roster of photographers. If you're looking for an event, education event that is focusing on the craft of photography, photography um, history and art, uh, then this is going to be um, the event to go to. And so, we really hope to see you there. I'll be there. Uh, Richard Photolab is actually going to be there. Um, they're going to talk uh, for about an hour during Sam Blake's, uh, day, the first day. And then, um, they'll actually just kind of be there. the three days, just kind of hanging out. So if you want to get to know them better, uh, they'll be there in kind of a a casual presence as well, which is going to be amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's it for the announcements. Um, podcast with Brian Johnson, uh, for this one, uh, we talked a lot about, uh, his in-house, uh, printing process because they print everything in-house. um, we talked a lot about how his studio puts a lot of emphasis on tangible product, tangible products, uh, prints, albums, um, frames, things like that. And then we also talk a lot about his vision uh, for wedding photography and, and branding and, and different things. So uh, we had a really great chat. Brian's a great guy, and um, I think you'll really love – what he has to say and I hope it'll find it beneficial for you and your photography and it'll help push you forward so thanks so much for listening as always and we'll talk to you soon Brian, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. I appreciate it. I know you're busy, so thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Well, first thing I ask, I don't know if you actually listen to any of my podcasts, but I always just want to know your story and how you got involved in photography and just your background.
1: Yeah. um, So I uh, got a camera from my grandfather when I was in high school, which... Was a manual Minolta with a fixed fifty on it, and it ignited my 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 love for documenting things, but primarily people. And very quickly, I uh, signed up for yearbook in high school and shot for my yearbook and went off. This was in Atlanta, so I grew up in Atlanta. Um, and when I went to Stanford University here in Birmingham, I pretty quickly got connected with the school paper and started shooting for the paper and uh, was actually a business major through school. And um, once I graduated, I, I got a break and got a job. My my photo teacher, uh, that I, a class that I took my senior year, he hired me on to work for his local uh, lifestyle magazine here in Birmingham and Really, just got my got my feet wet. Trial by fire. I, the, his class was the only class I really took through school on photography. It wasn't super focused on. Uh, it wasn't super focused on on technique and um, a lot of specifics, but it just really ignited my my love for for lifestyle photography. And from there, I worked for them about a year and a half, and then. That was graduated in '02, and from then on, have been working on my own. So uh, I've got a few people that work with me now, uh, but um, that's pretty much how I how I got started.
0: And then, when did you move to? Is Birmingham there? That's where the college
1: is that you went. Yeah, so I went okay. to Stanford University, which that's is was Bur- right here, right here in Birmingham. Okay. And, uh met my wife at at, at Sanford and we just love the town of the town of Birmingham I, I had no desire to go back to Atlanta she didn't want to go back to Baton Rouge and we uh just loved to here. and obviously I had a job and um we got married about a year out of school we've been married about nine and a half years now so um so yeah nice Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully the alarms
0: are – everybody. somebody's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, a, I, I I work in a loft downtown, so yeah. we, we have a lot of uh, – <laughs> Traffic. Fun, yeah, a lot of fun <laughs> fire engines that come by and policemen, so.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I saw on your site that you
1: learned – did you learn from
0: Norman Jean Roy? Or what is the story I, behind that?
1: Yeah, so being, you know, being that most of my education came from – uh, from that one class, and then kind of working for that photographer for a year and a half. Um, most of my, most of my formal education has come from just taking workshops from people that I really appreciated and and getting to know them. So I went out to Santa Fe. I think it was 2005 and took um, a pretty intense workshop with Norman, um, uh, and it, it just was an incredible incredible time I uh uh, um there's two other photographers from Birmingham a guy Jason Wallace and a guy named Kerry Norton we -hmm. shared a space together for a while and we all went out together and took that and I feel like we'd all agree that that was pretty life-changing as far as realizing what it what it takes to really to really be a professional and to and to take this craft seriously and Norman was good to us uh We got to hang out with him a number of times when we went out to L.A. We got to sit in on a Vanity Fair photo shoot and uh, just hang out in his studio and watch his process, which is a lot more intense than my process. But it it was just really nice to to see and observe um, how the best of the best do it and how they take their craft so seriously and uh, that – most of the time when you're looking through Vanity Fair, you're looking through Vogue, you're like, oh, that's cool. I want to take that. But you don't realize just how much intentionality and how much craft and how much thought actually goes into crafting and, and creating those images. And so that I, I really appreciated that from Norman. Um, one helpful tip that I feel like I still take with me that I learned from Norman is – Just how important it is to be in control of a shoot. Um, If you're not, if someone's not letting you control a shoot, then you've lost the battle. Um, If people don't trust you, if they want it their own way and and you're just kind of there giving them exactly what they want, then the product's probably going to be really boring and not interesting and not. I guess just not not what your vision is, and, and and to 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 have the confidence to go into a shoot and say, uh, you know, this is this is this is what we're doing, and for people to trust you is 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 such a huge part of the battle as a photographer. He he gave a story about um, during the workshop about Richard Avedon photographing David Letterman, and Letterman came into a shoot chewing gum, <laughs> and Avedon says, I think I'm going to need you to spit your gum out. And Letterman says, no, 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 it's fine. I'm just going to keep it in the back of my mouth. It'll, it'll be all right. And a few minutes went on, and Avedon said, you know, I'm going to need, really need you to spit that gum out. And Letterman said, no, no, just, it's, it's good. I'm just going to hold on to it. And Avedon looked at him and said, shook his hand and said, thank you very much, and just left. I I think that story is, is really powerful. Not that I would necessarily call the shoot and walk out on a shoot. I don't know if I have the cojones that Richard Avedon has, but I've, I love that, that concept. And I I can, I can always point back to shoots that went terribly and I can, I it's, it's normally a situation of they did not trust me and, or I was not in control. Mm. Um, So I think about that often and, uh, as a professional I, I i always want to make sure that i'm in control of whatever shoot i'm doing and that i have the respect of and the and the trust of the subjects and the big players involved so um so that's just one small thing i took from norman i actually when i was at his workshop we uh, i like recorded all of the audio of of like every day like of every session he did so <laughs> But like me, me, Kerry, and Jason Wallace will still, we still have those, and we'll pull them out every now and then, and get re-inspired, and uh, just because I, I feel like he is, I feel like Norman is, in my mind, the most important photographer. I feel like he will be like Andy Witts. just in seeing his approach. I, I, I feel like he's just absolutely unbelievable. So, yeah, yeah his stuff's
0: ridiculous. Um, and speaking of workshops, you also were influenced a lot by John Dolan and Holger Thoss, yes. I'm correct? So yes. talk about the, your experience, I guess, with them and with their workshop as well and how that has helped you with your wedding work.
1: Yeah. I I got to meet John and Holger a few times before I took their workshop. I I think I called them blindly back in 2003 when I was in New York and really green and uh, thinking about moving up there and just wanted to show them my work. And I I think about the book that I showed them in 2003 and it's really embarrassing, but they were very, very, very kind. Um, And I just had always respected their approach. I think I had read um, pretty early on when I had gotten started a PDN where it talked about the top wedding photographers and I had learned about John Dolan and um, and Holger and Philippe and uh, just was really inspired by how their studio worked with, you know, these three guys who who are technically competitors but they, they treat it as if they're on the same team. And I just I thought that was really inspiring and a and a breath of fresh air in an industry that uh, for a long time it just is really cutthroat. And, um, I remember I was in their studio, uh, when, a I I think it was an, uh, elegant bride came in and Philippe had some images in there and they were like all high fiving and they said, all right, one more for the good guys is what they had said. So I love that even, even if they hadn't necessarily shot it, they were so pumped for their, their colleagues to have received published work. So uh, Carrie, Carrie Norton and Jason Wallace and I actually shared that story with them when we were deciding if we were going to get a space together. And we kind of tried to carry that attitude throughout our time when we shared space. We've kind of all outgrown that original space, and we all have space of our own at this point. But um, I think it was a good lesson to learn early on that it's, it's, life is way too short to, to feel Competitive and uh, there's there 's definitely enough work to go around for the good guys, so um, I definitely took inspiration, but as far as their workshop it was really awesome as well, just to see their approach to weddings, um, they talk a lot about the wedding vortex and how weddings make good photographers really bad photographers. <laughs> Which is really great. I don't know if they. Talk, I know that you interviewed a couple of them. I don't know if they yeah. talked about that, um, but I, I love that, and we still talk about the vortex. I, I even mention it when we do our own workshops. I uh, I just think it's such a great phrase. Like we, I don't know what it is that, um, that that made good photographers bad photographers. When it, I think it's maybe just there's this idea of what what images should be captured, and people can't break away from that. But yeah. They I love I just love their approach. It's similar to Norman. Like I love seeing their work, but I love more than anything hearing their philosophy and their approach to a wedding. John I think John Dolan said uh a wedding isn't a success unless I'm dancing with the bride on the dance floor at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh which if you've met John just tells you a lot about his personality and um that it it, it really isn't just like, you know oh, this guy takes cool pictures. He is, a, he is a guy that you really want to spend time with and you trust. So, um, And he's, he's very unalarming and very approachable and makes you feel comfortable, which are such important characteristics that people don't realize uh, go into crafting great images. So I would say it's things like that that uh, I really took from them and their, their seriousness to the craft when it came to a wedding. It, what They really saw it as an art form um, and not just like, oh, I can make, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And I just, you know, it's really simple. Like they just, they have a completely beautiful and artistic approach to a really important event.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Um, and I, yeah, I love, I've been you know, love getting to kind of know them better. And I think their influence on, you know, the industry and some of the photographers that are out there, a lot of the film shooters has been pretty profound so i mean I, I see a lot of what john does in your work uh as well and mm. so yeah. I to see the relationship there I
1: would, I would yeah i would say he's definitely as far as style wise like i obviously i appreciated norman i wouldn't necessarily say that i appreciate him because i want to emulate his style i would say with john like the way he shoots and what what he captures i'm always enamored with i think one, i think it was philippe that said um you know john john's one of the only people that uh he doesn't take good images and bad Im- images he takes good images and interesting images like I either <laughs> it may com- like it may not work but at least it's 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 really interesting
0: yeah
1: um so yeah they're they're awesome
0: Um, speaking of your work, I guess we can dive into some of that type of stuff, but I would love to know just basics of like, when you walk into a wedding, you know, what's at the forefront of your mind that you're trying to accomplish?
1: First of all, I would say I want a really fun experience and I tell brides all the time, which may be counter to what a photographer should be telling their brides, but I tell them often the experience should trump the images if you at the end of the day have great images but it was it wasn't that fun getting taking the images then we didn't do our job Uh, and there's kind of a misconception that images are the only thing that people take with them and i i totally disagree because they they take with them their memories of the experience Mm -hmm. And and images Should remind them of that experience, and if the experience was lame, then, like, I just I just think it's it's we haven't done our job if if that's the case. So, I really try and craft a schedule that's really fun. I really try and tell them don't think about pictures. If pictures weren't a part of the day, how would you spend your day? Um, Because I think oftentimes people treat a wedding day like they got dressed up to take pictures, and they didn't get dressed up to get married yeah um uh, i'm I don't want I don't want a wedding to look like a stylized shoot. I want it to look and feel very real. so I have them just walk me through what their day would look like without photography and um, and then I craft a schedule around that so um, obviously, as a photographer there's different hats that you wear you know at some points you're gonna wear. You know, you do need to be assertive. You do need to uh, lead. You need to direct well. But there's also times when I need to take a back seat and and the moment is much bigger than me uh, uh, and oftentimes much bigger than a photograph. Sometimes the camera needs to be put down and uh, things shouldn't be documented. So um, I don't know if that answered your original question. How do I approach a wedding? What am I thinking when I come into a wedding day? Was that your question? Yeah.
0: No, I think that's... Good. I mean, you know, I mean, having that type of mindset, I think, uh, obviously dictates the results of, you know, the type of images you produce versus yeah. somebody that's going to go in and try to do the stylized type work or something that's more fashion based, um, yeah. where they treat it more like a commercial shoot. They're going to have a different result than somebody that's wants to go in and just kind of blend in and be part of the day. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. Um, which, you know, all of that you know, is kind of, to me, that's, you know, brand building. Um, cause I think some clients want that type of experience and then some clients want something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I would love for you to talk a little bit about, about that. I mean, how your convictions of what wedding photography should be about, you know, how those convictions play a role in your brand and how you learned what those convictions even were over
1: time. Um, can you pause it and ask that? I'd like maybe just rephrase it. Cause I'm yeah. trying to wrap my head around that question. Yeah. It's
0: like, um, you know, like if you have a certain belief of what wedding photography should be. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you believe it should be something that where a, like you do have a good time as a photographer and you're create these positive memories You know, what role does that play in building your brand, you know, communicating that to potential clients so they'll hire you for that? Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. So, yeah, if if I have someone coming to me and they say – if they mention that pretty much all they want is portraits and they want something that's super stylized and they want to spend – you know, three hours with their groom before their wedding and do all these pictures and go to five different locations, then I'm probably the wrong fit for them. Um, And and I try to communicate that oftentimes through the work that I show on my blogs. I don't, I don't want to show any work on my blog. I mean, obviously, you know, I may shoot 400 images at a wedding and I'll put 40 images on my blog. So I don't, I don't want to put anything on there that would be misleading of what I would ultimately want to capture at their wedding. Um, so I hope I'm answering, yeah. <laughs> answering that right.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, spinning off of that, I mean, what is your advice? Like, if, you know, I know you have done the workshops. Yeah. Um, so spinning off that, I would think like a, a pretty popular question would be something like, you know, what advice do you have for building a brand? Yeah, um, for a photographer that's maybe got in the industry in the last two to four years.
1: Yeah, I would say in a lot of ways the the client experience has to be number one. I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in. Overly wrapped up in the photography community, which in a lot of ways for me can be distracting. Um, I, and in, in a counterintuitive way, it can be uh, – in a counterintuitive way, the following, following blogs can be really intimidating as well, especially to somebody who's starting out. There's like this, it's like this plateau and this law of diminishing returns in my mind with blogs, because at the beginning you see work of people that you really like and it's really inspiring and it it says, oh, I want to go buy a film camera and and you buy it and you get really excited and you start shooting and then you kind of keep following and then you, it almost kind of starts getting depressing. Like all these people are shooting in cooler spots and I want to shoot in cool spots and I'm not able to, and forgetting that it took those people probably seven, eight years to shoot in cool spots. And um, and, and people, I I think people can start to get down on themselves. So I think it's kind of a, uh, can be a harmful thing to get too involved with the photography community. So I would, uh, more than anything, I would say block out what, once you kind of settle in on a little on a style, block out what everyone else is doing and just focus on your clients and focus on what they need. Um, sometimes I think that photographers worry more about what the photography community is interested in than what their clients need and what their clients are asking for and wowing their clients. So um, I would go with a really simple website. Uh, I've I've actually been really obsessed with Cargo Collective. I don't know if you've seen Cargo Collective websites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think they are so awesome. Like, they are so cool. I would get a cargo collective site. I would just do something where I could just get images up easily and quickly and show those off. Because especially this day and age, people just want to pin stuff and they want to be able to see content and they want to see it quickly and easily. So um, do a simple site and start to focus on how you can wow your clients is what I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think a lot of photographers uh, almost shoot for other photographers, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally, Because they totally. want to like, put it on Facebook and get the likes or their blog and see how many comments <laughs> they get from other photographers on their blog and not really the clients. So, right. yeah, I definitely see that sometimes in the industry. Um, with, your, with your work, I mean, why – I guess why film? I mean, have you sh- always shot film and you just stuck with it, or is there something – that you like about it? Cause I, I tend to, I don't know why I tend to have a lot of film shooters on this show, but, yeah. um, it's just something I don't do on purpose, but, uh, obviously you are really invested in film. So I'd really love to hear yeah. why and all that.
1: Yeah. Film, film is for me, a, a, a preference and a, and an approach that, that really resonates with me. Um, I, it's it's not even necessary. I feel like a lot of times when people are arguing between digital and film, they're, they're arguing about like, at least early on, the, the digital people are always arguing about pixels and, you know, but look how big this can be blown up and, you know, there's no drop in resolution and all of these things that may be true, but in my mind are not the reason why I shoot film. Uh, I, obviously, I love the look of film. I love the way it it turns out. But even as I'm shooting, I love the way I feel when I walk into a shoot with a rolly around my neck and that I can shoot pretty much all day with one camera, you know, maybe switch it up, shoot some Leica. Um, But it's just really simple and straightforward. I actually, uh, some people, it kind of freaks them out not seeing the images. For me, it's almost like therapy because I love just trusting the film and knowing that it's doing its job and uh, I know it works. It's worked for a long time and worked well. So for me, it's more than just how it looks. It's how I feel shooting it. It's also how people respond to my approach. So walking to a, walking into a bride's room with a with a rollie around your neck versus a 5D and you're shooting off a thousand frames and uh, do, while you're shooting bridal prep. I'm typically probably going to shoot off 24 frames. I'm going to shoot a couple rolls of roly and I'm done. So it just it it, it tells them that, that what they're probably used to at, at weddings that they've been at or been in, it's going to be different, and it sets a tone that just, I feel like, lets people relax and kind of take a deep breath and not feel like it's paparazzi. So, uh, yeah. Those are the things that that I love about film. Um, And obviously the look of it is just, it's like Christmas morning whenever the film gets back in. You know, it's just so fun. It's just so exciting. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, Are you, what are you, what lab, RPL or what?
1: Yeah, I I, I use RPL. Um, Richard Richard Photo Lab, yeah. Yeah, I would. um, Yeah, I I think um, easily they're just, the best lab. Uh, they uh, actually got to go out there recently to do some promo shots for them for their for a website they're working on, oh, cool. and got to walk through the whole process of of everything, every step that happens uh, to my film and to photographers' film. And it's just after seeing the care that they put into their film, it just it's for for a true photographer like who maybe. You know may say RPL hey, they may be a little bit more expensive than you know these other labs, like it's just not even a comparison with with how they how thoughtful and how intentional they are with with their whole process, watching the dip and dunk, watching their scanner, watching um, every every aspect of that lab is just is inspiring.
0: So question, looking on your site. You have, I've never seen uh, another, especially like a film photographer, but they have like the list of all their cameras and like samples, (laughs) examples of all their cameras. Uh So do you really lug like seven film cameras around at a wedding (laughs) or are those just the ones you have in your roster and you pick (laughs) from them before you go shoot something?
1: I, let's see. I, um, I really do lug them all around, but if like, let's say in my bag, I have I've got two bags. I've got a big think tank that I bring with me, and then I've got a nice sized Tamrac that is kind of our working bag, like that we carry with us on a wedding day. Um, in the Tamrac, I'll have all my film, uh, and then I'll have two Rollies, a, a Mamiya, and a Leica. So those that's kind of the main things I'll carry around during the majority of a of a wedding day. Uh, every now and then I'll mix in some Holga. Throughout the ceremony, and I've shoot a lot of Holga during uh during the reception. Flashed Holga is kind of the main way that I use my Holga. Um, but yeah, I'll shoot Holga. I'll shoot Lomo. Um, yeah, I will. I'll definitely <laughs> lug all of those cameras around. But it's not like they're all around my neck at once. We <laughs> um, definitely mix it up. So
0: yeah. So okay. So if I had to like pin you down. And you only had, you know, I said some rules like you could only shoot with one camera or like one film stock. You know, what would it be and why?
1: Uh, it would be, um, oh man, I'd, I'd, easier on the camera, harder on the film stock. I would definitely. I mean, a Roly is for sure. Like, I went on an engagement shoot, uh, in Mississippi yesterday and took just took my Roly. So. Um, and just a, a couple pockets full of film and a, and a meter, so it's great. That's all I take with me. Um, uh, so that's that's pretty pretty easy. Um, if I were traveling Europe, though, if I were going to Europe, I probably I'd probably take a Lomo because it's so light and I can throw it in my back pocket. And uh, um, but if I'm doing portrait and i got one camera I, if, if i had to shoot one wedding if i had to shoot a wedding with one camera it would definitely be a rollie that's all i would take if i if i were forced to shoot a wedding with one camera that's what it would be on so I, I feel like i see in square like square is like i feel like i love instagram because it's like proving my point all over now yeah uh, it's like i feel like rollies win the more people uh post to instagram so uh and the square format is just so money it's so awesome Yep. Um, it's my favorite too so nice uh, so yeah film stock if you have the Rollie oh, film stock I plus what Roli plus uh, Portrait 400
0: alright just cause it's most versatile or what
1: yeah it's just a great film uh, and if I'm going uh, a lot of times like if I'm just taking my camera home and I'm gonna shoot for the weekend I'll take just my Rolly and a, a some Ilford XP2 because um, I feel more comfortable shooting black and white when I don't have to meet her, or if I'm not going to meet her. Um, I, I love I love XP2.
0: Looking at your brand, your website, your process, even everything you do, how you handle like your printing in house and stuff now. Yeah, where you're at, I feel like is where a lot of photographers want to be in terms of. Putting a, putting a tangible, uh, gosh, really emphasizing tangible products, and yeah. building a successful business around that. So yeah. a lot of times I talk to are really frustrated. They feel like they cannot build a successful business around selling tangible products because it's out of everybody's either price range, and everybody just wants a disc, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how have you managed to kind of fight that uh, kind of digital craving that everybody has, you know, yeah. your clients, and build, you know, this business around that?
1: Yeah, well, one way is that I don't really try and fight it. I, I want people to enjoy their images how they want to enjoy them. So, if they want to sit around and watch a slideshow of their images on their Apple TV and show some friends that, I want them to be able to do that. But I, I also, uh, what, one kind of internal phrase that we use often um, is rest- we want to restore reverence to the photograph.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we feel like we can do that by how they're presented and how they're enjoyed. And for us, more often than not, that is uh, in a tangible format, in a in hand face-to-face, showing off images, not an email blast, hey, check out Facebook and look at all my images. Um, so we actually give a disc to our clients. We tell them, like, hey, we, we'd love for you to put this on your iPad, uh, for you to be able to enjoy, um, for you to be able to, you know, have a digital copy. But we want you to – we also uh, really emphasize the, the physical print uh, and – one way we do that is no client receives no, none of none of our clients see their images for the first time on a screen. All of their their experience with their images the first time is always going to be in hand. Um, even if that's a commercial shoot, a family shoot, a wedding, doesn't matter. We it is always first looking, touching, feeling, showing, uh, and then we'll say, oh yeah, there's a there's an online link if you want to see them. So. For us, that's it's really important. Um, if we really do want to restore reverence to the photograph, it, it's amazing to see people's response. It's almost like people have forgotten what it's like to hold images. Um, and with our with our with our brides and grooms, we send them a package in the mail uh, that has. I think we put four like eight by eights in there, and we put about twenty five five by fives all on fine art, haunt paper presented really well. And that's their first thing that they see. And then there's a note in there that's like, oh yeah, there's also a disc. So, um, I think just reconnecting people with the tactile and the, the, the physical, I think is a, for us really important. Um, but as far as like being able to make sure that brides, you know, can afford, Prince. uh it's a tough one because i feel like for years i was at a different price point where i, I faced that same problem where um you kind of wanted to give things away because your client didn't have the money i would just say be patient and also just continue to present physical products uh even if they can't afford them at this point just really really push it like there's a um there's an album we use Cypress Fine Albums. There's an album that they do that's a self-mount album that I think costs $125, and we get the we get prints and we uh, put them in there. We offer it. I think we put in 30 to 40 prints, and it's just a beautiful presentation. We offer it for 500 bucks, um, but that's a very cheap option. I, I think there's options out there to be able to display very well um, I just think people need to get creative if they don't have clients that have a ton of cash you can still find a way to print and you can still find a way to to get prints in people's hands for not a lot of cash so I just say stay patient and stay resolved to push people towards products because um, I feel like it is it is the greatest exclamation point at the end of a client interaction when they get that Cypress album in hand. It just nothing. Uh, I feel like it's such a huge plus for our brand whenever they get that. So I, I just would encourage photographers to continue to pursue, pursue the tangible and and we always we always tell our clients we're, we're looking forward to handing you your first family heirloom and we kind of phrase it in that way like we really mm-hmm. want something that is that is going to be passed down to their kids and their grandkids. So. Uh, present it well. They're not your kids and grandkids aren't going to look at a disc. So,
0: yeah. Now I think I think your studio, uh, at least for me, is very encouraging because I think a lot of people when they get into photography, a lot of photographers, that's they appreciate the that kind of heirloom longevity, next generation quality yeah. of imagery. Yeah. Um, but we have this duality now, where photography is also this very temporal. Just posted on your Facebook, through mm-hmm. Instagram, you know, it's not really yeah. meant to be archived. It's just like, here's my latte I'm drinking yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and so there's that type of, you know, way that people consume photography in a very temporal way. And so getting clients to tap back into this long term perspective of it it tends to be quite a challenge. Uh, and so it's great to see, you know, a studio that's doing that successfully in a lot of creative ways. Um, and people are responding to it. Cause I think some, some people I think have lost, some photographers have lost hope that it's like gone and never going to yeah. be able to come back again, you know, just people yeah. have moved on to digital and it's just over. But, um,
1: well, if we're ever, if we're ever engaging in the argument that, oh the iphone now has however many megapixels and people can take pictures on their own if that's what if that's if that's the the level that we're arguing on or that we're like if if that is actually knocking the legs out of my business model i i didn't have a very good business model to start so i i really have to think about that barrier of entry like and think about those things that a digital that's that it's has to be beyond just image taking and and megapixels. It has to be bigger than well. This now that iPhones can take uh, photos um, at a certain resolution, then less professional photographers are going to be hired. If if that's the case, then it's more of a problem with professional photographers and not with the phone. Um, my my hope is that our images aren't necessarily placed next to your Instagram photos. I hope that there's a greater reverence for what we've taken than everything that's that you've posted on Instagram. And and oftentimes that's hard to do with everything in the digital format, which is why we have realized that there should be such an emphasis on the tangible and on the physical.
0: Yeah. And I, there's two ways, also two ways I feel like you're doing that, which you talk about on your website, which is A you started printing in-house yeah now Um, and so I would love to hear about how you came to the decision of wanting to print in-house and also just some like nitty-gritty of like what printer you use and what's that process actually look like
1: yeah Um, I think it I think it it came from a desire to just continue to take over more creative control over our process and and um, you know, it's funny. I talk all about, you know, the, the reverence for the photograph, but honestly, we came to that r- realizing how important that was kind of through growing pains. I remember I had my most high paying paid client, um, and they had ordered a bunch of albums. But obviously, the album process can take time, so it's going to be a while till they get uh, they get their their albums. So. I remember we, we shipped them their their stuff and it was a bunch of discs. We had sent them a bunch of discs uh, of, of final images and their response was, I can't believe we we paid all this money and all we got was was a bunch of discs. <laughs> and now in reality, they were going to get four albums when it was all said and done, but it was still a it's a total wake up call to our studio. Like, I mean, it was, it was a sucker punch, like, but a really good one, like one that we really needed to receive. Um, and it, and it hit us that, okay, we're photographers and we never touch and, and handle our own images. If so someone, if someone orders prints, it goes straight to, um, some, some company that, just generically wraps it up and sends it to our client. You know they drop ship it and send it to our client, and we never we never quality control our own images, and we are photographers. Like how sad is that? Like and it was really just this kind of really sad moment of um, uh, realizing that one of the, the what should be the heartbeat of our company or of of of, of our business wasn't even a part of it. I remember as well, um, we um, – I don't know if you've ever seen that that Mass Brothers video. Have you seen that Mass Brothers Vimeo, uh, video that's on Vimeo? I don't know. Mass Brothers is a chocolate-making company, and okay. they just have this beautiful video um, kind of walking through their process. And uh, they show their space, and it's really fun, and it's interactive, and it's very hands-on. And I remember Brandon and I, we we watched that, and we said – if someone were to make a video of our studio, it would just be a bunch of people sitting around looking at computer screens. Like it would be really boring. <laughs> <laughs> and like we kind of had to like ask ourselves, like, is this is that really what we would want to portray as photographers? Like we we're really in an interesting industry. Um let's 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 kind of take take back some of the things that we've outsourced. Um, and really spend some time uh, investing in the craft of photography and invest of, in the best of in 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 printmaking. And it was it was very painstaking to kind of uh, to kind of walk through figuring out what we were going to do. I give a lot of credit to Brandon, who spent he he is our printmaker. Brandon does all of our prints, and he spent so much time uh, researching and studying and. And really figuring out the right paper that we wanted to use and the right printer and the right paper cutters, we, print, we cut every print by hand. And, um, so uh, you would ask what, what printer we, we print with? We print with an Epson 3880. and uh, we print on uh, the Honmule photoraG. Um, I think the 308 is what we're currently using. Um, but it, it was just a, it really kind of shifted our entire perspective on our, on our company. It, it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to do printing now. It really shifted, um, our perspective on the industry and, and kind of gave us this new vigor for, for our, for our craft and for our, for, for what we get to do.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think you can completely tell you know, um, through your website and even, cause I think you guys even made a video correct of the process.
1: Uh, saw we, uh somewhere. <laughs> we, we had it, it. I don't know if we're actually, we're actually in talks of making a video. Okay. Um, you probably saw a blog post that blog you just had post. some photos and, and, and kind it. of us described with photos kind of describing our, our printing process, yeah, which that was, it. was actually pretty early on. We, we've been printing for about two and a half years now. we're, we're have been in talks of updating uh, and kind of giving us an update on our, on our process. So, um, it's been cool. It's even for Brandon who, who works with me full time. He, it was a big shift for him. It, It was a realization that like he wanted to be spending less time in front of a computer and wanted to be working with his hands more. He's actually built like a bunch of furniture for our studio. He, he just built me and, uh, he and I, uh, two new desks and out of like restored Oak. And, uh, his father is a, um, as a carpenter. And so he's like, had this renewed, uh, passion for for carpentry and for working with his hands. So it, it's just been a lot of great things. It's just bigger than like, Oh, we're doing our own printing. Um, it's just given us a lot of perspective and direction.
0: Yeah. Which is, that's great. Um, I think the second thing that I saw that you're doing now is this thing called Found Frames. This concept, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I would love for you to tell uh, tell us more about what that is.
1: Yeah. So, it, it, I, I feel like Found Frames is is just a, a natural progression from this idea of of uh, restoring reverence to the photograph. Um, the Found Frames is basically uh, just an extension of, you know, we're doing pretty great albums that are handmade. What can we do that people need uh, as well as albums? And that would be frames on their walls. And uh, we've got uh, a girl who works for us who pretty much scours flea markets and finds frames that are still really cool. And she restores them and we send them and and we kind of work on them ourselves and get them... uh, Get them kind of up, up to par again, uh, adding uh, new glass, adding new mats. And um, we uh, then just, we, we'll do different sets and we can offer that to clients and they can purchase, you know, hey, they can tell us, hey, we've got a four foot by six foot space behind our couch that we'd love to have images on. It doesn't necessarily have to be images we've taken, it could be, you know, they're. Wedding photos mixed with their parents' wedding photos mixed with different things, but just kind of this idea of um, helping people uh, enjoy and appreciate their their photographs, whether we took them or not, uh, in a in a creative way.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you know, you're, when I look at your brand or your the business or whatever, there's this kind of overall vision for you know, everything. Seems custom. Everything seems handmade or touched by, like, somebody's hands at some point. Uh, but there's also this, you know, this feeling of human memory and nostalgia and mm-hmm. all of that. So where does that come from? And how did you land on on that for your studio?
1: Just this idea of... of,
0: of uh, yeah. I mean, it's, everything just seems very human and tangible. Mm. Um, where I, I see a lot of photography today that feels very detached and mechanical. Does that make sense? Mm. sense? It's a, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people want to have a type of brand that you have, but they're f- afraid to, to go there a hundred percent to really make it happen, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so I just was curious about that kind of humanness about just the way you photograph and the way you deliver products and the way you solve problems for clients. Yeah, if that's a personality thing
1: or is that just it's it's probably a person it's it's probably a personality thing. It, it it probably stems from I think we we just are we love the idea of things that that looking that are that feel nostalgic and that feel um uh actually can you hang on half a second yeah hang on sorry i just got distracted for one second hang on no hey brandon yeah. i'll call you later man sorry i just had like people walking <laughs> walking <laughs> through the room and i'm like i'm already add so i'm like covering my eyes like all right yeah. what's the question what's the question yeah no i hear yeah. you all right I think they just left um, okay, do you mind do you mind asking that question again?
0: yeah, no um just the humanness of kind of your branding and your work and your type of yeah. images you have, where that comes from, yeah, personality or
1: yeah, I would say a lot of it's what I respond to like the the type of images that i I love I think about. Um, like the photo albums of uh, that my my parents put together for me as a kid, and I just love things that look and feel very real, even if it's not even perfect. Um, John Dolan has a phrase that I, I love to quote, um, called the sophisticated snapshot, mm-hmm. and it's this idea that snapshots should be. A snapshot by nature is quirky, but it's also personal. It's intimate. It's not contrived. It's not trying too hard. And I just really respond to that idea. And he, he kind of adds this idea of a sophisticated snapshot of like, I'm taking a snapshot, but I'm shooting it with a yeah. Um <laughs> I'm not shooting it with, you know, uh, uh, a point-and-shoot camera. So I, I, I just love imagery that... Is a little off and a little quirky and and uh, like I said, isn't self-aware and isn't doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, So it probably comes from that that I I feel like you can always tell when people are trying too hard, and it's just for me. That's it's probably why I'm not not the best fashion photographer. Um, I just. I feel like it's all—it's always a little too serious for me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I just appreciate things that are unexpected, happy accidents, and simple and straightforward.
0: Yeah. Which is, looking at your work, and I had a question on Twitter about this, which was um, about how you have mer- motion blur in some of your images. Uh-huh. And um, why, uh, I guess... Why that's okay for you, which I guess you just kind of answered, and then, but also how how your clients react to that, because uh, it's another it's another thing again where I, I, some photographers I think are, are afraid to go there because they feel like yeah.
1: if it's not sharp, it equals bad. Yeah. Um, well, I think if everything was blurry, it would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I, I I think there's oftentimes uh, when you look through a wedding album, or even if you look at someone's blog post, it's just so homogeneous, like it's just you're looking at the same thing over and over. And I, I think when you're documenting an event, you should document it in a way that there's a there's there's things that are able to, to you're able to juxtapose. Like if, especially if you're looking at a at a at a wedding album. A lot of times I shoot for an album, so I picture like this really cool, grainy, gritty, blurry. Shot of a bridegroom on a dance floor, maybe next to like a really crisp, nice, flashed portrait. Like I, I, I think those things complement each other well. And even if you look through my blog, I'm trying to. A lot of times it's like color, black and white, color, black and white. I, I kind of want to change up the visual for people, um, other than just like, you know, you're looking at a blog post and you're kind of bored, like. <laughs> like, yeah. You start looking at it, and you're you're already bored because it's all the same thing. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what I say. And I just I just love. I feel like a little blur, like it's just so dreamy. I don't think everything has to look and feel so literal. Like I just sometimes I think a moment like doesn't have to be the literal moment. It should be like remind you of how someone felt like I've got this photo hanging in my studio of a bride and groom it's Christmas time and they're uh they were getting married in Seattle they're like running across the street and it's like really blurry you can tell it's a bride and groom you don't really know who it is but like that shot is the essence in my mind of that entire wedding day like it just just I can look at that and I just it just makes me feel so Happy and I kind of re- returned to what it felt like to be at that wedding and to shoot that moment, so i don 't know sometimes we feel like things have to be so literal, and I would say i don 't who knows i don't know some of my clients may hate it <laughs> um, but at least i 'm putting myself out there if I love it i 'm not putting things on my blog that I think my client will like. yeah, my blog is not for my client, my blog is for me um, and my blog is for me to try and find people who resonate with what I resonate with. And there's probably things that you would find in my Instaproofs gallery that aren't super exciting, but I'm not going to blog it. So, um, so as far as the blur, like if I like blur, I'm going to post it. And so there, there may be more blur on the blog that people see that, you know, a client may not even respond to it, but I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to blog it. So
0: I hear you. Also got a question of, like, when's your next workshop going to happen?
1: Ooh, good one. Uh, we're, we're planning for the uh, late March, and we're going to hopefully launch that in the next couple weeks. So, Very cool. Uh, late late March.
0: Um, let's see. Last question I got on Twitter land was, how does shooting a slower camera, like a Roly at weddings, change his approach mindset to the day? Which I think mm. you kind of answered a little bit with... Walking yeah. into wedding prep, shooting the twenty-four frames versus yeah. machine gunning it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just so it's so fun, man. When you show up and you're um, dressed well and you've got a rolly around your neck, there's nothing better. Like, like that's like the, the the best business card you could ever you could ever have. Like, before anyone sees any images, it's like I hear people all the time, like I know these images are going to be so awesome. I'm like they don't know, they could be crap. Like they've met me that day, they have no idea. But for for some reason, they feel like it's going to be awesome because of the roly. Because of the because <laughs> of the roly, the way it looks. So uh, it it demands respect. Yeah, I should say that. I
0: uh, I just got a Hasselblad this year, and it's kind of the same. Oh, nice, same thing. Everybody want to shoot a wedding with uh, bust out a wedding. And they're like, whoa, like versus the uh, you know the Mark II's people are kind of like eh
1: whatever But they see the
0: assy, yeah. and it's like wow you're yeah serious and, and, like, and there's you know? at least
1: there's at least like three old guys who are going to be like I still have five of those in my basement or my my dad yeah. shot with that or yeah exactly
0: <laughs> yeah they still make those yeah I yeah, yeah totally yeah exactly ah <laughs> oh, well sweet man that was uh, a lot of fun I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me uh, it was. lot of good content there i think for a lot of people so i really i really 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 appreciate it and grateful thank you
1: absolutely we we gotta we gotta shoot together sometime you gotta come assist me or let me assist you yeah man uh you are you mainly shooting in in uh nashville
0: uh yep for the most part um we will uh we'll see how things go next year as i'm kind of more focusing on the musea thing now but um Yeah, Yeah. historically it's mostly here in Nashville, and then I'll I'll occasionally get a flyer kind of out of out of state, you know,
1: here and there. Yeah, so yeah, but yeah, cool, cool man.